It's episode 67 of Leading Ladies Corpus Christi, and I'm sitting across from one of the most badass women I've ever been able to come in contact with. Don't shake your head at me. All right, all right, all right. right. And uh, (laughs) I've actually known about her for a very long time, and then was flattered to find out that she was a fan very recently, and so uh, luckily she found me, and I was able to get her on pretty quickly. But I'm talking about Heidi Hovda. Welcome. I'm really excited to be here, and I'm very very honored and flattered that you would put me on a podcast that I am a super big fan of. Oh I think that you I think that you've done a really good job highlighting a lot of unsung he- unsung heroes, heroines, however you want to say yes. it in our community. Um I mean, I'm always curious like what made you decide to do a podcast about the women in Corpus Christi? You know, every time I tell the story, I feel like I have to give a disclaimer, but it's a little cheesy when I tell it, but I became a mother in 2017, and I was really reflecting on how strong and powerful women are, um, just with what, the capabilities that we have, whatever it may be, but I, and for me personally, it was growing a kid and having them, and uh, I started thinking about strong women I knew personally, I instantly started thought of stephanie garcia who was actually my episode one and um that's when i that's when i became a fan yeah and uh you know i I was like i just want to reach out to them just let them know hey i'm a fan i love what you're doing please carry on and i was gonna just send out these kind of creepy direct messages to all these women and i was like well what if i take it a step further and bring them on and actually have a conversation with them and share their stories and it just kind of developed from there and and here we are, episode and, 67. And so that makes you a leading lady of Corpus Christi, oh, too. Oh, you know, I... I uh, Don't shake your head at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, hearing you say that, you know, I, I'll agree. Because, uh, yeah, it's important to me to get y'all's stories out there. And people need to know who you are. Although I think a lot of people already do with how involved you've been with the community. I mean, you formerly worked with Visit CC. You helped develop Fiesta Del Flor. You were the film commissioner for the city... Uh, I mean, did you do work with Downtown Management District? I saw I something. I did, yeah, I saw a long something about time Downtown ago. Management yeah. District. Yeah. There's, a, there's a very long list. Uh, you put together the hip-hop musical for Hector P. Garcia. Yeah. yeah. You helped manage that project. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so, looking back, whenever I... I mean, I, I think I barely scratched the surface. But hearing th- these these roles you've played in the city. What, what do you think about that? Wait, 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 wait. wait. I was going to say before, first. before, <laughs> because as a fan of the show, some of your guests will do this. Yes. And some of your guests will not. Correct. So no pressure. No, there is no pressure. <laughs> when we talked about me doing this, it was like, but I get to do the tequila shot at yes. the beginning, right? Yes. Let's please do it. All and right. here's your orange slice. All right. So, yes, we're doing tequila my way where we do it a little chilled. It's Toro de Lidia tequila with an orange slice. All Perfection. Right? All right. To Heidi. To Brittany. Oh, that's good. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I have to say this also, guys. You know, so I'll have people over to my house for the interview, and sometimes they'll bring booze, but... This is the first time I've been to a guest house where they have provided the tequila and the orange slices, so I'm just having a great time over here. So thank you again, Heidi. So there is, um, I, I, it doesn't happen as much anymore, but there has been a long-standing tradition in my life where people come to my back porch, like this area where we're sitting right now with the lights up above. It's so nice. Yeah, my husband made it all out for me like this because I'm just a back porch kind of girl. I mean. Barefoot, bra off, you yes, know. Yes, and yes. And um, 
so he made this little space for me. And if you notice, he for my birthday one year, he took um, the cheap plastic Walmart chairs and he made it a Game of Thrones. <gasps> oh my! I didn't he even made, notice. He made it. I, the wind has blown it a little <laughs> bit. It's not as pristine as it used to be. But yes, he made me my Game of Thrones chair. Um, so yeah, um, this is my happy space. So. I can tell I'm happy just being here. Yeah, I mean it's a, a lovely space to be talking to you and uh, a, a lot of night. A lot of great conversations have happened out here. I believe. So there it. might be a dog bark, right? Yes, that that happens occasionally in my own house. So we're totally good. And at some time, my son Newt is going to be taking uh, Copper out for a walk, and so we may be having that may happen. Guest star. Right yes, on. Guest starring Newt and uh, Copper. So, yeah. I can't wait. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so back to prior to the shot. So hearing all of the things you've been involved with here in the city, what do you think about that? I mean, you have to feel accomplished because you're nowhere near done. No. No, I'm not anywhere near done. There's still a lot of work to do. Um, I, I mean, of course, I feel proud of the things that I've been a part of. And I guess where I get a little queasy about it is that I never did anything by myself. I'm just kind of, you know, the loud, bombastic person. <laughs> I love that you use that word to describe yourself. Who is willing to appear foolish at times to get a point across or to do something. Um, it's not just me. I just I sometimes I think I just do things that manage to get attention when there are a lot of other people who are also doing amazing things and they're doing them very quietly mm -hmm. but still moving the needle forward and so yes I feel accomplished but I there's always an army of people who are right next to me and my support system and and I hope that I'm their support system when they're trying something new and um, and I, I I think that that is really one of the things that's just so needed in the city. I got in trouble for tweeting this like a while back. Yes! But, um, but really nobody notices it and I really don't tweet that much. But I said something like, this city does not know how to support the artistic community or the or something like the artistic community has more needs than the city is willing to support. Right. And... I think that's true, and I think that anybody who is a creative in this town uh, has so much bullshit to have to overcome. Mm -hmm. And if you manage to get a job, a job that provides insurance and security, and I'm not having to hustle to pay my cell phone bill, and I'm not having to hustle to pay rent, and I can actually maybe buy a ticket to a show instead of begging someone to get a ticket for a show for me. Right. When, when you have that, when you are a creative working in this town and you have a J-O-B, you, you tend to not want to be risky because you don't want to lose that J-O-B. Ugh, okay. And, um, and I don't, I, like, this has kind of gone off on a tangent, so, but it's just like... I, I love tangents. I, I appreciate that, I appreciate that people think that I'm accomplished and that I'm great. I, I mean, I really, really do. But man, I've had the cushion of a job, mm -hmm. a job, and I've and I've been able to utilize the resources that those jobs have given Absolutely. to help kind of spur the creative community on in the city that doesn't support a creative community. Um, 
now I've walked away from any resources and I'm veering out on my own and I'm worried about paying my car payment and I'm worried about paying my student loan payment and it's scary. It's scary. Now I am really on the level of the people who who stood alongside me, right? Yes. And and I've had to do kind of like a lot of inventory about like when I started thinking about leaving Visit Corpus Christi, which was actually in January of 2019. It's kind of when okay. this started creeping up into my head. And um, I mean, I'll never forget on New Year's Eve, my husband and I were out celebrating New Year's Eve. My son went to my mom's house for the night and he said, you know, you've done a lot of good work and your resume can travel and you can go anywhere. And ultimately we decided that it was just more prudent for us to stay in Corpus Christi. But it really started getting me thinking I, there, there are other things that I could do and mm -hmm. I could live and work in a town that it's not so hard. Mm -hmm. And I, I promise you, and this is unfortunate and it pisses me off more than I can say, it should not be this fucking hard to be a creative in this community. It should not be this hard. It's not fair that it's this hard. It's not fair that the city will lay down for an oil and gas company, which I don't even, like, I don't even mind that so of much, course, you know? I mean, that's economic development. We're on a port. This is how the economy is fueled. I'm totally left-wing liberal, but until people stop the spigot yeah. on the oil and gas. <laughs> yes. I'm there, with you 100%. You, you, you don't really have any right to bitch about it, mm -hmm. right? So, yes, we need to have room for that. But why are we closing off this other side of the creative the creative community that actually fuels things? Yes. The creative community. Like, even these oil and gas company, companies need somebody to, like, design a layout mm -hmm. for a flyer. Yes. For a community meeting. And you would so, hope that they would do it locally. You would hope they would do it locally, and very often they do do it locally, but they also don't want to pay those locals to do it very... Uh, like, I can't even tell you how many times I get into a conversation where it's like, but you have to pay your creative. They have a cell phone bill to pay exactly. just like you do. And see, I love that you have this, this insight. You are seeing these sides of it. And, uh, yeah, because in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, these oil and gas companies have so many resources sure. they could easily they corporate headquarters yes. that can do whatever yeah yeah absolutely yeah so to hear that i i do believe it unfortunately after you said it and that's i think my naive my naivety that i don't think that people think about it no i don't i, I mean i think that I, I mean i think that like you see a you see a flyer and i've made flyers like that not or i've been a part of the process of making a flyer like that and every single word is dissected and every single picture that you pick is dissected in the colors that you use by, by is, the company who, who's getting it by a company yeah. who's getting it but also the people that are creating it because even if the i mean the creator wants the client to like it mm -hmm. or their boss to like it so you sweat every single little thing right and that is so de that that sweat equity that of the creative mind mm -hmm. is so devalued. It 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 just it it blows my mind. The sweat it, equity. Um, so the, I mean, I've never had words 
put to it before, but yes, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, well, you do it, you do it with your podcast. Yeah, I mean, I guess like, right. I'm sh- like, you did your research mm-hmm. and you like, well, okay, well, Heidi Hobda, oh my gosh, I know who she is. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, guess what? She's a, she's a fucking shit show who sits on her back porch and is like, oh, it's time for another tequila shot. The realist is, is what, I, who oh. does it. Uh, but I, I have to say this. So, you know, you made it a point immediately to say, I have a very, I mean, yeah, sure, I, I get attention, but I have a huge support group and there's people behind the scenes who are doing a ton of stuff and making me look good. That is a quality of a leading lady through and through. Okay, 100%. But, but, but I want to, like, reframe it. I, they're not making me look good. There are a lot of people who are doing the work. I'm just the I'm just the idiot that cap captures the attention. I'm the idiot. That, I mean, you've been at a seven day yes. scene where I say, "Oh my God, y'all are all being problems," and this is why people hate creative people. Clap if you can hear me. <laughs> yes. Right. And and verbatim. And like that's the thing that make people think, "Oh, you're in charge." And I'm like, "No, Stephanie's in charge," or formerly Omar Bassetta was in charge, mm-hmm. or. Mickey Kramer was in charge or like there, there are a lot of people who like walk alongside to make seven day happen. Yes. But because I have this kind of like stamp of authority as a co-founder or because I am a person who's not afraid to say, Hey, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Come on. It's time to get business done. Yes. Stop being, stop being little pricks. Let's get this done. Like the, okay. That gets attention. And I, I get it. I, I, I get it. But I am not the person. I mean, let's talk about the filmmakers that make films every year for mm-hmm. seven day, right? Yes. Like, they're the ones that are creating the content. Absolutely. That make it enjoyable for people to come back year in and year out. So, Heidi, are you from Corpus? I don't even know the answer to that. I've lived here since I was five. Okay. So, yes, you're from Corpus. So, my, um, my Instagram uh, handle is, like, uh, South Texas Gal. Mm-hmm. So I was born in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, I, I, well, before I was five years old, I think we lived somewhere, Tyler, Texas. I mean, like we've lived, but my dad was a football coach. Okay. So. Oh, how cool then Texan is that? Uh, yeah, no, not. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm an artsy kid and my dad was a football coach, True you that. know, it just, it did, it didn't, I mean, I mean, I love my dad. I love my family, but I mean, I kind of like felt like a square peg in a round hole For sure. and and um I mean that, that, that's not a that's not a criticism of my family but like I mean I'm six years old writing plays and really and, oh yeah I mean it like and like when, once wow. I started having cousins like I'm writing plays with my cousins and oh then I'm like creating posters and tickets and it's summertime and my sister and my cousins and my brothers and there I've like orchestrated plays and we're performing them in my mom and my grandma's a uh, uh, very beautiful antique room the antique room and wow where's I mean, grandma where's she uh, Where was she? Re, re, uh, she's still alive. Uh, Rio Grande Valley. Um, their their house was in Progresso when I was a kid, and then they moved wow. to Mercedes, which is really, whatever, right on the border. Yes. Like literally, you could walk to the Rio Grande River. Wow. So I feel like I am a South Texas girl through and through. Absolutely. Totally through and through. Yeah. I mean, so clearly you're just bursting at the seams with creativity, doing that kind of thing, writing the plays. So did you take that further? Did you go to school for that? Like, what did you... Um, so I was, um, uh, um, do you act? 
well, I, I'm like, I'm kind of like doing a mental inventory and yes. how I want to go and how I want to be respectful. Um, <laughs> so I struggled a lot. I, I graduated from Tulsa Midway High School. Okay. Um, not great at football, clearly. Never great at football. <laughs> but, Me either. But, well, the school as itself. But so much value placed on football and not so much value placed on academics, even though academically it was an incredible school and, and really good. And um, I got involved in theater and... Um, and I went to state in golf because, you know, if, right you're, you're, if you're a daughter of a coach, you got to play a sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just it. And I tried tennis, but uh, that was way too much running. I'm, ter- <laughs> I'm terrible at tennis. I attempted it once. It's, yeah. Um, so so I, I did pretty well in golf. And, um, but I, this kind of, like, desire to create has just been innate in me. I, I don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't understand it. It's just. Is there no one else in the family that kind of created in some way that you can think oh, of? Oh, I think I think everybody creates in their own way. I mean, I, I think that someone who has a science brain is creating something. I mean, but like for me, creativity is everybody is creating something, yes. and like creativity looks like many different things. Um, a math thank you, thank you a, for a, that. a mathematician can be a creative. A scientist can be a creative. They are. Yes. I mean, because you're you, in order to do those things, you've got to like tap into different sides of your brain. For sure. The best engineers that are building huge buildings are the kind of engineers that have figured out how to cross over from that. Hi, I'm an engineer, and I only understand <laughs> to talk in this language. But they've been able to cross over and say this is why this building has value. And this is why th- th- we have to spend this money to do this thing, to make this building structurally sound. Mm-hmm. And communication is a form of creativity. Absolutely. Yes. So, so, um, so I, I just have a very particular brand of creativity where it is. I understand how to, here is an idea that people have. And it has a creative output. And I understand how to functionally and structurally set it out so that people, there are meetings, you break it down, you, first this needs to happen, this needs to happen, and this needs to happen. And I'm all about the big picture. And I, but you have to have a process to get the big picture. The big picture is not going to get there. Yes. Because you want it to be, because your idea is there. There's some foundational, functional things that need to happen. Yeah. And I do. You really are a project manager. That's what project managers do. Yes, but for creative things, like I could never be a project manager for a freaking building a plant, (laughs) or building a, or 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 building an apartment complex. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't give me happiness. Right. All right. Okay. So step one, step two, step three, step four. Yeah, it's pretty formulaic at that point. It's definitely different when it involves creative endeavors, like that, like what you're talking about. But it is actually the same formula. Okay. But what is a little bit difficult is trying to convince creative people to claim their value. Oh, my God. And that's the thing that I actually find even more frustrating than the city that doesn't support the creative people, the whipped... 
This is too too close for comfort. Uh, oh, but it's true. And why? Why? Do you think it's because it's just like you said, not as valued? It's not valued. Ugh. And it's just like, how do we change? And we that? operate People in like the People like us. Oh, that's okay. People like us. I'll, yes, I will be a part okay, of that. Okay, so so this is the time where you're like, why we why why do you say that you're willing to appear foolish and that's not okay? This and, is from previous conversation, but yes, but I have, I have asked her that. But but the thing is, is that I'm willing to appear foolish. I'm willing to right now, not having a job, starting my own company. I'm willing to say this out loud right now in a podcast that you're going to put together. Why does that happen? It happens because yes, the city doesn't support it. But the creative community doesn't say fuck you to the people that say, yeah, um, I just, it'll give you more, it'll give you really good exposure if you play at my daughter's birthday party for free. Mm -hmm. I see memes about that all the time and, you know, we laugh about it because it's funny, but it's so true. There's a reason why you're asking me. Yeah. There's a reason why you're asking me and it has value. And guess what? paying my cell phone bill made you able to contact me. Mm-hmm. It's the economics of creativity and creatives. I don't think like sit and break that down. I almost wonder if it's because, and I guess I'm maybe reflecting on myself. It's because you don't want to put the work into figuring it out and realizing you've been kind of skimping yourself this whole time. You know, like, is it better to be in denial you know what I mean? I, well, I mean, and so now I'm starting my own company and now I'm trying. And so I like, I gave my first pitch and you know, I, I have my rate that I'm not going to compromise on and I know how long it takes to do something. And when, when a person who has money sees how much work it takes, they want to not believe that that's how much time it takes. And you, it's also a potential client. So you don't want to like come back at them and go, I would never, ever, ever say that it takes this, that I'm assuming it takes this much time to do your job, but you're saying that I assume it make, yeah. how, like, how do you have this conversation? And I'm trying to figure that out right now, but because I have a background that I do where exactly I worked in at the downtown management district, I worked at an oil and gas industry where I analyzed financial data for two and a half, five and a half years. <laughs> wow. I analyzed financial data for five and a half years and I loved every second of it. Really? I did. I did. Okay. And I, I'll tell you, there are two reasons why I loved yes, every please. second of it. I want to know. Number one, I had no freaking idea about accounting, how money moved anything. I, I had still no don't. idea. Now, I do because of that five and a half years, almost five. It was actually, no, just straight up five. Cause I have to be accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly gotta be accurate. Yeah. Five years. Um, so I just, I understand functionally how a chart of account works and how you, money moves this way and how, and, and the, and, and the importance of explaining why money goes here and why money goes there. Mm-hmm. Like I got that. Um, and then the other thing that I loved about it was just the team building of, hey, I'm a boring accountant and I'm a bean counter and a box checker and, and I'm going to call the manager of every asset that I'm that is in charge of money that I'm overseeing and reporting to the corporate headquarters. And I want to under, actually understand what it is that you do every day. And I want to understand your budget. 
I understand. I want to understand why you're asking for tank painting or mm-hmm. or block painting or um, all of these things that cost three hundred thousand dollars. And oh my God, why does it cost three hundred thousand dollars to paint a tank? Well, because of this and this and this and regulations and this and this and it's a special paint. Exactly. And, and then I was just like, oh my so gosh. So important. And to know. every single one of those managers taught me stuff about their job and then and their pride in their job. And how, like, their terminal or their uh, pump station or their pipeline was like this, it was almost like a child to them. Mm-hmm. I loved, man, I loved working with those guys. I mean, like, I could list you a bunch of guys that I still text and email and have conversations with. And when they're in Corpus Christi, they're like, hey, let's go to House of Rock because... Every time that they came to Corpus Christi, it was like, there's only one place you go. You go to House of Rock. Pretty but much. That's it. That's yes. all. That's all you do. You go to House of Rock. That's it. Pretty much, yeah. And so they're like, I'm going to meet you for drinks at House of Rock. And I'm all like, hey, I'm in the middle of building a big festival. But yes, because you knew me then. You knew me whenever I was understanding the business end of life. You shared and trusted with me. And so that's the other thing about this is just like, you've done so many things. Man, there's a whole side part of who I am as a person that is a lot of guys who probably voted for Donald Trump in 2016, who probably like say and do things that I don't necessarily like, but taught me so much. They're also part of my army. Oh my gosh. I I love that you're sharing this. I mean, because this couldn't be more relevant. Um, Yeah, because there is so much to learn from so many people. And I come from an industrial background. I mean, that's what I've been doing. So to hear you say, I mean, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who knows me that I'm, I'm a city employee. And so having to deal with other city employees, higher ups that question why we need to pay so much money to provide clean drinking water blows my mind. And you literally took the time to understand exactly why. We have people who've been involved for years who still don't get it. Do you understand that as somebody who works for Visit Corpus Christi, who, when, when did that water ban happen? That was in 2016. 16, and right before Christmas. Yeah, I was there working, yeah, working day and night. <laughs> so in 2016, that water ban that happened, which was precautionary Mm -hmm. it was actually like it was not even actually needed but it was you man just in case like Mm -hmm. the science behind that was like there's no way that this plant actually got into the water system but just in case it did exactly just in case it did we're gonna do a water ban and the uh uh, what is it the texas environmental what is tceq tceq Made the suggestion, and the city was all on board for that. Yep. Which, understandably... Yes. Even to this day, there are comments on the Visit Corpus Christi social media that are, but you can't drink the water. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, I've been drinking the water. I never stopped. When that thing was going on, mm-hmm. my husband was like, don't brush your teeth. I'm like, fuck it. I got the, I got the fucking real, real. <laughs> I'm brushing my teeth just on principle. Yes, we're far and few between. But yes, we, you and I had the real. Because, I mean, people were tripping. And it's fine. Take care of you and yours. But once everything's said and done, please, please go back and look. I mean, God, I hope my mom will forgive me for sharing the story. Um, we love you, Mom. I love you. My, my, my mom is the kindest, most beautiful 
person on the face of the earth. I wish I could be. My mom says to me all the time, I wish I could be more like you. Aww. Uh, yeah, but, like, I wish I That's could be. That's beautiful. I wish I could be more like her. I wish I could be nice. I wish I could. I wish I could not, like, judge people and size them up immediately and go, oh, no, you're an asshole. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, my mom is. My mom is golden. Um, but the hardest conversation I ever had with my mother was when I rolled up into my house after in 2016, mm -hmm. when Nelda Martinez was mayor mm -hmm. and she lost mm -hmm. to Dan McQueen. Yes. Who we all now know is an idiot. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can't, I, I, I could never understand how he got elected. I will never understand how he got elected. It's just ridiculous. But my mom knows how much I love Nelda Martinez. And my mom knows how much I think how important what Nelda Martinez is doing to not even just my job at Visit Corpus Christi, but my life as a creative in this community. And then that's something coming from you. And when my mom told me when I pulled up, she called me. She was like, hey, it's not going well for Hillary Clinton. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about Hillary Clinton right now. I give a shit about Nelda Martinez. Yes, what's happening here? And my mom said, well, I didn't vote for her. And I said, how could you not vote for Nelda, mom? I mean, like, you love Nelda. She was like, well, I just, man, that water ban happened. Mm -hmm. And I was just worried about my dogs. Even my mom did not vote for Nelda Martinez because of that water ban. Mm -hmm. That was not even her fault. Mm -hmm. No, I don't, I can never understand how an official can be held accountable for something like that. I mean, it's literally a third party. I, uh, I can get, I can go into this. Yeah, yeah, well, but, but we could go into this, but there's also like there were, so let's talk about the city a little bit. Mm -hmm. There was one employee that had the magic little fucking number that how the we're testing the water every day. The city tests yep. the water every, every day. day. There is not incompetence happening. Oh, in all areas of the city. Absolutely. Every day. There is not a single incompetent person. There is not a single person in the city who doesn't give a crap about their job. Oh yeah. And the thing that's so interesting to me is that the city makes decisions on how a very talented person that they need to keep who has the keys to the kingdom that can balance everything and knows how to keep that water system going. Yes. And they can't manage to keep that one person mm -hmm. there. That's bad for the city. Yes. When the city has all their eggs in one basket. Oh, yeah. With one employee that they can't manage to keep happy. And I know I'm encroaching on your Not at world. All. Not at all. I don't want to compromise you. You, but, you aren't. But. If, they, if anybody has a problem with this, they can talk to me. There, no. the, the, like, there is, there's a real problem in our city government that needs to be addressed. And, look, I'm, I'm, I'm handling creative community over here. I can't handle city government. Mm -hmm. I mean, part of the reason why I the ultimate reason why I left visit Corpus Christi Paulette got fired or no, she didn't get fired. She resigned, but mm -hmm. she was being 
pushed in the direction of resign or get fired. Yes. I had already decided to leave. And that was because of political bullshit that the city is plagued with. But ultimately, the city of Corpus Christi wants to run Visit Corpus Christi as a city department. And a destination marketing organization must fundamentally operate separately because destination marketing organizations need to be risky and daring. Mm -hmm. They have to think fast on their feet. Just a very, very, very specific, and this is why I love, I will love my creative team forever, ever, ever, ever. Hurricane Harvey hit. We didn't know if it was hitting Rockport. We didn't know. We just know it was hitting somewhere. And it didn't hit Corpus Christi. And the day after Harvey hit, Claudia, Emily, Paulette, and I are on a phone call. All right. We have to put a digital marketing strategy together. Our city doesn't have power. Wow. But our city isn't devastated. Rockport is devastated. And Paulette's husband was in Rockport at his house, at their home. And she had to drive her car to save him like he oh my god he rode out the hurricane in rockport i don't think some people quite get it and anyone that's here locally i don't think quite get how close we were to dealing with some devastation that those in port aransas and rockport aransas pass <coughs> dealt with so you saying paulette had to save him is very literal very literal that's what paulette did she saved her husband but then but but we are the front facing we are the front facing digital presence my team is the front facing digital presence for visit corpus christi so emily is holed up they decided not to evacuate Mm -hmm. she's on the south side with no power trying to figure out how to keep her flow for her her phone charge and her battery charge she has a conversation um i think claudia uh evacuated to hebronville with her family and um, I evacuated to San Antonio with my cousin, Jonathan. Thank you. I love you. Thank <laughs> Was you that madness that. in and of itself, going to San Antonio? Because I heard that's where, where most people went, even though the storm was heading that way. Um, no. I mean, I mean, yes, it took us a lot longer to get there than we thought it would, but you expect that. Yeah. And we didn't go up 37. We went back routes. Smart. And we, and we stopped along the way. And That's really smart. And just, you know... The madness was um, putting boards on our house. I mean, Ain't like that, that the truth, literally. Yeah, it's that. That's the shit show. So anyway, um, but a digital marketing or- organization in those instances needs to be fluid, and we had to like, we had to work as a team to like put a plan together for the next five days, so that we and we don't know what's happening. And what and here's the weird thing about Hurricane Harvey that a lot of people don't understand. There are no hotels in Port Aransas, which is devastated. There's no hotels in Rockport, which is devastated. And Aransas Pass is devastated. And any hotel in Corpus Christi that was still standing received first responders. Yes. Well, everything, everything. So our hotel occupancy rate went up because of an anomaly of a hurricane. And how do you promote the city... When there are no hotels available 
because of rebuilding that's happening in another city, but you still have events and festivals to promote. Shit. Like that was not even something anyone that was considering 2017, 2018. Yes. Our entire digital marketing strategy is about that. Nobody cares about that. Right. Emily cared about it. Claudia cared about it. Um, another person you should get Claudia Huerta should be on your, I'll talk to anyone. You should bring Claudia on. Um, but yeah, I mean, but a destination marketing organization should be worried about that, not a city department, but what's happening is right now, right now we live in a world where the city thinks that they know everything and they actually know nothing. I mean, I'm not going to get way into this. I said I didn't want to do this, but here I am two tequila shots in. I think it needs to be said two tequila shots in. I'm just going to say out loud, like in my exit interview, one of the things that I said is that in January, 2019, it became pretty clear to me that the city's trying to operate the visit Corpus Christi segment as a city department. And we have to move faster than the city can by design. City government is slow by design. It's processed and measured. A destination marketing organization, a marketing company has to move faster. Yes. Has to be more risky and daring than a city government. How could they even, it just blows my mind that they would attempt to put their hands in or their names in the hat for something. Oh, it's, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now that there are going to be people that are going to listen to this and say, oh no, she's crazy. That's not our intention. When, when. People want Fiesta de la Flor to go through a bid and procurement process. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on purchasing. Oh, my God. When they want me to go through a bid and procurement process for a festival that has been run for five years, when I know the vendors that understand the basic concept. And you know they're going to deliver. Uh, they're going to deliver, but, the, but, but let, let me just tell you what delivery for me is because I respect what traffic engineering says because traffic engineering is an unsung hero in this community. And the big lesson that I learned from B. David Ruella says, it's great that you want to put on a festival on a street. Understand that street was constructed to move traffic. Yes. It was not constructed for you to have an event. So That's you fair. have a responsibility to convey to everyone whose life will be disrupted businesses, community people. That's true. And I got it heard, heard that is the business of creativity. And this is where creatives fail. Oh, you're the city's trying to stop me from being creative. No, the city on one hand is trying to get you to prove the value, trying to get you to understand what city business is. Number one. And number two, prove that value. Yes. Dia de los Muertos has done an excellent job Mm -hmm. of proving that value. That is a great festival. It is, it is, it is done with, uh, authenticity and expertise. Um, food Corpus Christi food and wine festival is another one. Um, barefoot Mardi Gras doesn't Mm -hmm. rely on city services that much, but, they work well. And that's the dream, right? Right, right. Not having to rely on, yes. But, but, but the thing is, is that you're closing a street. People drive on a street. 
you're disrupting the purpose of what a street is. Yes. I, I mean, that's like, yeah, that, I don't that's care. basic level understanding. I, yeah, like, yes. I don't care that it's a great idea. It's a great idea. I'm all on board with your great idea. But you, the, you have to, you have to weigh your costs for your great idea. For sure. With, and like you said, that's the business. And that's, that's the, the business end of it. of creativity. And I'm so grateful for my time at New Star Energy that taught me the business end of stuff. Because otherwise I would be a psycho. Oh, you don't care about creatives. No, there is a business end of it. There's the ugly side of it. Yes. There's the complicated side of it. And see, you're one of the few that know both sides, which is incredibly valuable. But then the other side is also city fucking paint. Pay and respect your creatives. Yeah. Give them a wide berth. Also, figure out a way to accommodate. protect and accommodate, protect the interest that the city has, but accommodate and give a little bit of berth. Give a little I, bit yes. of breathing room. Yes. Like, because why can't we think this over a little bit more? We, we actually can change this. Mm-hmm. We actually have the power to change this. And, like... So, okay, so here's, like, a little other side conversation. I really, Corpus Christi has this burgeoning hip-hop movement. Yes, oh, my God. It's, and, 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 like, there, there are all of these hip-hop people that are trying to, like, find their voice. And uh, it's hard because, man, like, someone awesome like Casey who wants to support that movement will welcome people into their doors. But the people that promote or put hip-hop events on don't know how or are not brave enough to tell their audience, hey, man, you're a fucking minor. Don't drink. Yeah. Like, that's the business end of creativity. Exactly. Like, don't get fucking girl. Like, man, you don't, don't, don't feed into the negativity of the hip-hop scene. Yes. Rise above it and tell a fucking story. Exactly. Because, I mean, that, that's the true thing. about I'm a hardcore hip-hop fan. And uh, whenever you and I talked about talking about songs, which we're going to get into, so- songs that are meaningful to us. Oh, yes. I, I often... Your, your anthem, my anthem. Your yes. anthem, my anthem. Yes. yes. I, I often reflect on, on rap or hip-hop. I mean, that's just me. And, yes, because ultimately it is about the art. Yeah, sure, it's fun to, to be a little crazy and a little wild or whatever, but... If you're really trying to get your message across, you have to clean up the bullshit. And and I'm with you right there. And it has to be so fucking frustrating because here's this a really amazing artist saying really amazing things. And meanwhile, everybody's focused on the fact that there's minors acting a fool. So, or even adults acting a fool. But but then there's <sighs> like but then there's a guy like Merck, who's a local hip hop hip hop artist, who's pretty fucking amazing. And hip-hop in and of itself is amazing. Yes. But so Merck is a local hip-hop artist, and he is fucking amazing, and he's working a nine-to-five, and he's putting out albums, and he's hustling. And Wow. And AC is um, um, AC Elizondo, who played uh, not Hector, but a minor character in Hector, the hip-hop musical that we wrote. Oh. He's an amazing... Hip hop artist. Shout out to Lewis Esoteric. Esso and Esso <laughs> and Carbon. Esso and Carbon wrote the words. Yeah, Matt, you Matt know props. I can't wait to hear so, that. So, so can we just pause right now? Yes, we're pausing and, and right now. Let's just let's just play 
the um, right now we're, you're going to play. Yes. You're going to insert the song that I'm going to send you. Yes. That was the kind of um, anthem. It's the Hector P. Garcia anthem. You're yes. going to play it now. Yes, I'm pausing it right now. All right. in the bigotry if nobody grapples we all rock used by nation no symmetry no one can't stop till the next crop express your view explicitly this just ain't we're not backing down kicking and clawing you hear that sound you hear us now 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 Flesh, we want equality and respect. Losing the noose around our necks, so we can't push far. Elevate the next step at last. Smell the ideas, no way of the past. Can't bring it back. Say it out loud, vocal outcast. Didn't think we had to argue whether or not my people should stop being harassed. You do the math, didn't realize being another was the same as being second class. Being second class. The lot bruised by the sin of bigotry. If nobody grapples, we all rock. Used by a nation, no symmetry. No one can't stop till the next crop express your view explicitly. This just ain't we're not backing down, kicking and clawing. You hear that sound? You hear us now? 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 You hear that sound? No matter the hate you get from my people, we earn our respect and get treated as equals. We're killing with kindness, we're kids. We're not blinded with queens, we're shining like diamonds. Our future isn't dictated by what's behind us. Acknowledge our past, got a new path. Whether or not you accept us, calm is keeping its tabs. Peace of these humans I see. On the just side of history, nice to know not everyone's lacking in empathy. Don't need your sympathy, we'll get to the place that we need to be. Whether it's hard or easily, making them all evenly. We are not asking for more, just equally. One bad apple ruins the lot, bruised by the sin of bigotry. If nobody grapples, we all rock. Used by a nation, no symmetry. No one can't stop till the next crop express your view explicitly. This just ain't we're not backing down, kicking and clawing. You hear that sound? You hear us now? You hear that sound? Look at these beautiful brown faces, added flavor to communities. There's nothing like waking to unity. Maybe tomorrow will be the day we know we could be, so we could be free. Be exactly who we wanted to be. Look in the mirror and tell yourself, no one can take that from me. One bad apple ruins the lot, bruised by the sin of bigotry. If nobody grapples, we all rock. Used by a nation, no symmetry. No one can't stop till the next crop express your view explicitly this just ain't we're not backing down kicking and clawing you hear that sound you hear us now 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 you hear that sound And that was a freaking amazing track uh, for the what? What's the what's the official title of the play? Hector. Hector. 
Yes, and hopefully that's going to be coming back around so people can check it out. Because I need to see Yes, this. yes. We have to uh, redo the music. We have another act to add. But my internal goal is that um, September next year, we got another we got another workshop. We got a, we got another version of of Hector to get out there. Right on. It's beautiful. the The work that Esso and and Carbon did. I think it's so neat that you got to be a part of it. I like. I have no idea what's going to happen with this mishmash that we've done tonight. <laughs> no, it's perfection. But this is what I know: if you love something in the city, fucking lay your dollar down. Lay your dollar down. And if you're planning an event in the city, don't ask a creative to do something for 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 free because it will give you quote unquote exposure. Exposure does not pay for a creative's goddamn fucking cell phone bell. Yes, at this point, it's laughable. Because, yes, this is these creatives' bread and butter. It's laughable. I mean, and I, and I say that, you know, very tongue-in-cheek. It's not laughable to those who are providing the work and being told, like, ooh, your rates are a little high. Like, oh, I can get it to so-and-so for cheaper. And that's ab- absolutely not laughable. But the fact that people think because these people are providing a service that's... You need them. Yes, you do. You need them to make it fucking beautiful. Pay them. All right, everybody. I'm sitting across from Heidi Havda yet again. Uh, lucky me, twice in one week. Does it get any better than that? You're being way too nice and gracious here. <laughs> hey, I'm digging it. Whenever you reached out saying that, you felt there was more to be said. I was totally down. I mean, I wish I could do multiple sessions with my guests, and I hope I get to one day, but this is continuation of episode 67. Well, I just feel like I didn't ever... Actually, answer a question you asked. I think that uh, we talked in tornadoes, which is my favorite thing to do, and I think it's your favorite thing to do. But yeah, oh yeah, get two people that talk in tornadoes together, yes. which I've never heard that expression before. Oh, so thanks. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Talking in tornadoes is good, but you know, I, I I don't know. I just like you asked me some good questions, and I don't think I directly answered them, so I felt bad about that. So I'm going to shut up and let you lead. This. <laughs> well, but at the same time, I love whenever. You know, you're, the conversation's heading a certain way and it uh, triggers something else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I love that. That to me is a, a genuine conversation. And whenever you're sharing ideas and, you know, whatever you may feel about a certain thing, and then it leads to how you feel about another thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm I, all about I enjoyed that it. Conversation. I really did enjoy it. But how did CC7D come to be? Because you were there from its origination, right? Correct. Okay, so tell me, how did, the, did it happen? So, um,. Before CC Seven Day, there was this uh, little film festival called Edgeworks. Okay, and um, it was put on by some guys. One guy doesn't live here anymore; another guy does. But um, I knew some of the people that made films in that, and um, the guy that uh, I started Seven Day with, Joe Hilliard, um, he was on that board and. It didn't look like Edgeworks was going to happen again, and so we were having a conversation. And because I'm just was loosely connected with people who had video cameras and had made movies mm-hmm. that just kind of just, on their own, just on their own to do them, um, he was like, "What do you think?" And I was like, 
I mean, I think that it could build a film community and I think that we need one, but if we're going to do this, it's going to be an annual event mm -hmm. and it's going to be something that, you know, we commit to. And so he said, well, what if we did it like a film race? And so we just kind of sat, um, you, you know, at house of rock where you're the bar at the main, at the front bar, there's that corner on, if you're facing the bar to the far right. There's the very corner, and there's a pillar there. Yes. And he and I were sitting in that corner. I'll never forget it because it was just such a, I think, important moment in my life. Um, we were sitting there talking, and Casey Lane, who is the owner of House of Rock, walks by. And I said, well, let's ask Casey if we can do it here. And so Casey, we got his attention. He grabbed a calendar, and we nailed down a date. And wow, before anything else. Before anything else. Before and, you knew if people were even interested. Um, I mean, we kind of just, like, assessed. Like, uh, he, uh, Joe had said, how many people do you think if we do it would sign up? And I said, oh, eight. I think we can guarantee eight, maybe, like, ten. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, but that'd be a really great night of short films. I agree. You know? yes. So, so, yeah, I think that we could get... A good solid eight to ten people to do it. What year was this? Uh, this was 2007. Okay. I think my math is correct on that. Yeah. 2007. <laughs> <laughs> I always want to say 2006, but maybe it wasn't because I was pregnant with Newt at one point, but I guess it was the first year, the very first year mm -hmm. is when I was pregnant with, with my son. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm getting it wrong. I know I'm getting it wrong. Maybe it was 2006. <laughs> I have no idea. But it was somewhere. ish It was somewhere in that time frame. So, um, it was 13 years ago. So, someone else did the math for me. So, because um, this was the 13th year, seven day this year. So, mm -hmm. um, so, Casey walked up. He nailed it down. And we made an announcement. And... Um, we, our plan was to do the kickoff and the turn in and the screening at house of rock that first year. And if memory serves, we had about 30 people sign up. Wow. Which exposed the need for people having a desire to have a creative output like yes. this and that it had not been served. Yes. Um, so, you know, uh, we outgrew it the first year. We couldn't do it at House of Rock and then uh, for the screening. Um, we will always, as long as I'm a part of it, we'll always do the kickoff at House of Rock. We'll always do the turn-in at House of Rock. And we will always do the award ceremony at House of Rock because mm -hmm. Casey believed in us without even asking questions. So but That is so cool. I, oh, man, he, he has just been such a, he's an amazing... a rock. Yeah, person you know? in the community. Yeah, he's a rock. And um, so... Um, so, yeah, from there, it's just grown. Um, we've had as many as 54, 56 people sign up and as many as 50 films turned in, which makes for a very, very long qualifying day. Yes. Uh, Did y'all do it all in one day? We qualify the films all in one day. Yeah. Um, one year, we had to actually break it up into a second day because when you qualify the films, you're looking at the rules and mm -hmm. making sure they're complying with the rules. And, you know, sometimes listening over and over again to a line yes. to make sure they say it correctly. There was one year that was um, very controversial because the line was, and everybody hates this line, this line was my fault. Um, <laughs> maybe it's insanity. Pure, simple, unadulterated, old-fashioned insanity. <laughs> so you've got to say it correct. Yes, exactly. Please. You can't exactly say old-fashioned. Like 
you can't say old fashioned. You have to say old fashioned. Yes. Like you, it has to be said clearly, it has to be verbatim, inaudibly, and verbatim. That's the rules. Um, and it's kind of as much as an exercise to get people to think. Yes. You know, and not be lazy. Like, mm-hmm. these are the basic rules. You can make whatever film you want, but these are the basic rules, and you have to follow them. You have to comply with them in order to qualify. So that one year with Insanity, there was one film, and it was a hilarious, very Sam Raimi kind of film, mm-hmm. um, but it sounded like he said Sanity instead of insanity and so like we probably argued as the committee about that line for 45 minutes to an hour about was it insanity or been sanity oh my god and it was weird because sometimes you could hear it without the b and then sometimes you could it was just the weirdest thing ultimately it was too close to call so we accepted it of course but um yeah, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to qualify the films. <laughs> but the qualifying committee takes it very... The steering committee is the qualifying committee. And they take mm-hmm. it very, 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 very seriously. Yes. Um, and I think that's part of why CC7 Day has had so much longevity. Because we do take it seriously. And yeah, they're the haters. And over the years, people will talk their smack about what it is and what it should be and what it's supposed to be. But... It has the staying power because I think that the steering committee takes it very, very seriously. They comply by the rules and they hold themselves as the steering committee holds themselves accountable to the film community that we had hoped to create 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. And very often, unfortunately, uh, it's the only time that local filmmakers have the opportunity to kind of like get their creative juices going. A lot of these people in the community, they have their daytime jobs and this is just their habit, uh, this, their, um, not their habit, their, their hobby. Yes. But, um, they're working in video eight to five, but they want to itch their creative scratch. You know what I mean? And, or scratch their creative itch. Strike that. Reverse it. <laughs> <laughs> Take the thing down. Play it. That's it. Um, well, yeah, we have friends who participated every year, and they moved somewhere in northern. The We Three Productions. Oh yeah, they uh, would come Mitch, down. Mitch, Mitch and Julie. Julie. Yeah, yeah, I've known Mitch forever. Yeah, my husband Love those worked guys. with them at Channel Three. Love those uh, guys. They're still really close, and. Uh, yeah, they would make it a point. CC seventies coming up. I got to take this week off. To... They couldn't do it this year because they were moving into a new house. Mm-hmm. So, because believe me, I was like, "Where are you? Why mm-hmm. aren't you here? What's going on? Why do you hate me?" Because I love. Yeah, their we films. were expecting <laughs> a We Three production film whenever we were in the screening. Man, Julie had to go to Disney World. Whatever. <laughs> Yes, I'm calling you out, Julie. <laughs> but, that, but that's what I mean, is you said that there's longevity there, and, and those guys are very talented. And even though they weren't in Corpus anymore, they made it a point to rearrange their schedule to be here. It was there's that another, important to them. There's another filmmaker who used to come down from Austin and do it. And I think that he just kind of like had his seven-day fill. Like he won a couple of times. But, yeah, and, you know, the rules are very specific with CC7 Day. Like, you have to film in Corpus Christi yes. or the Coastal Bend in a county that touches Nueces County. Yes. Because it is about promoting Corpus Christi as a film destination and a film location. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was, uh, when I worked for Visit Corpus Christi and I was the film commissioner, I was able to utilize seven-day films to just kind of, like, give an example sometimes to a location scout or to 
you know. How cool is that? That's pretty darn cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That was, that was, yes. Agreed. Right on. (laughs) No, I'm like, because you're like, well, I literally have an example of how amazing this location looks on film. Right. For you. Right. Uh, so, so my seventh, my favorite seven yes, day moment yes. from this year. You uh, read there, my mind. there were these uh, two guys. Um, it was uh, that their team was Seven Day Masters of the Universe, <laughs> and it was their very first uh, seven day film. And I went outside to like smoke a cigarette, take a break in between the kickoff. And there are these two guys that were sitting out there uh, reading the rules and. I, I mean, I, I, they probably just thought I was some volunteer sitting at the front because at the kickoff, that's what it's like. It's just yeah. a bunch of people taking your money, processing your paperwork and stuff like that. Yeah. So they were sitting out there chatting and, um, uh, and they were, they had some questions about like, well, but what is this with a prop? And we've always wanted to do this. We've always wanted to do this, but like heard it's hard and we've heard blah, 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 you know, and. I mean, I can't remember everything they said, but I just, what what really sticks out with me, we've always wanted to do this, and this is the year that we're doing it. So, you know, I, like, gave them some, it's not even insider information, it's tips and tricks, like, a prop is handled, like, and I gave them the specific example of one year, the prop was a chunk of ice. Mm-hmm. We participated that year. And um, there was one film that we had to disqualify because they had a chunk of ice, but they pushed it with a broom and a prop is not handled if it is being pushed with a broom. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's how specific the rules are. Yes. And, um, so I said to them, don't like, don't do things like that. Like make sure you are handling the prop. That's yeah. very, very important. And, um, they were like, okay, cool, cool. Um, then they were just kind of like, yeah, you know, they they seemed interested in connecting with other people in the film community. So I went in and I introduced them to other people in the film That's community. Nice. I, I think that happened at the turn-in, actually. But anyway, mm-hmm. they were super cool guys. They were texting me questions all weekend, which I love that they do that. Um, I love it when filmmakers just want to make sure that they're going to yes. comply with the rules. And um, so when they turned in their film, I don't know if they did this on purpose because of what I told them. But they did this extreme close-up of a broom. <laughs> and I think it was pushing a ball. But I thought it was like a little shout-out. Absolutely, and yes. 100%. It just... That was my favorite moment. Yeah. My favorite moment was a couple of them. Them asking and always wanting to do it. Me introducing them to some local filmmakers. Me... Them texting me all during the filming week. Not even that much. Just a couple times. Uh, them calling me after they knew that they qualified and them sharing the post that they qualified. Just their just general excitement yes. about getting to be in seven day. Man, that's 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 why I keep doing it. Exactly. You know, because it still to this day shows that there is a need for that kind of outlet, a consistent outlet that is legitimate. You're going to see your movie in Alamo Draft House. We're going to take it seriously. The steering committee cares see, about your experience. See, that's pretty damn cool because y'all just started doing the screening at the Draft House, right? Like yeah, this was years. the third year. Yeah, yeah. That to me is is that's cool. I mean, you're. Okay. In a, I mean, full, full when disclosure, I, heard... I was very, very, very much against the move. Well, I did enjoy it being in um, Harbor Playhouse. Har- yeah, the Harbor Playhouse. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it's neat because it's like you now you're getting to experience it in both kind of theaters. Yeah. But I'm, I'm with you because you know Draft House isn't like a local treasure per se. 
Well, it wasn't even about the local. I mean, mostly I have a, I have a very well-known um, anti-South Side streak in me. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> it's fine. I don't consider this the South Side. This is you. like old South Side. Yes. This is like established South Side. Yeah, like we're on, like if you drive like a few minutes that way, you're out of the city limits. I'm so, like at the edge. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, like, you're, this is fine. Like, I have, <laughs> I have bent my south side <laughs> boundaries a little bit just so I can, you know, not insult everyone on Absolutely. the planet. But, um, so number one, it was my anti-south side penchant, mm-hmm. which I'm ashamed of eh. in a way. I just feel the way I feel about Yeah, you're south not side. the only one who feels that way. Um, and then the other thing was, the thing that was great about Harbor Playhouse is that everybody got to sit in the room together and experience it all together. And Alamo Draft House didn't have a one theater the big enough size to show all the films, right? Oh. So for everyone to sit together, you could seat 438 people at Harbor Playhouse. Yeah. And I think the biggest theater at um, Alamo was like 131. Really? So that's why we take three... F- three theaters and logistically it's not difficult but you've got it there's one computer operating everything up at the top and you hit play and all three screens have to so there's just a little bit of nuance to it you know okay i don't really like that either well but i'd like to know when my film screening how the entire audience reacts to it yeah and i think that there were some things that people missed but i don't want to open up that old can of worms because everyone is now i think comfortable mm-hmm. with having it at Alamo Draft House. Alamo Draft House has been a great partner for us. They've worked their butt off for us. Yeah. Josh DeLeon was our tech person up there this year and man, he was killing himself trying, we had like an audio issue in the first flight and he was killing himself trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he hustled for us. Uh, the managers there are great. The staff is great. Yeah, and- the Draft House has been helping out a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of local orgs having events there. So they are more very accommodating and I so, think yeah. that's really nice. So yeah, I mean I don't have any regrets about moving it, but I just do especially cuz Stephanie our chair was really heavy move it to draft house and I was the old timer naysayer. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, it, it had become untenable for us to continue to do it at Harbor Playhouse, so the move was important. Yes. And just as the co-founder, it was just super important to me that that award ceremony happens at House of Rock mm-hmm. every time because loyalty matters. And Casey is a cornerstone and key to the success of Seven Day and has been a partner for us since the beginning. So I always want that award ceremony. As long as I'm living and breathing and slamming my fist on a table... I always want that award ceremony at House of Rock. Yeah. I mean, to me, yeah, there, there needs to be some sort of, like you said, you've always been loyal. That's just a characteristic of you. Um, but the tradition of it, the spirit of it. The authenticity of there. it, too. Yes. You know, I think, I, think that if, I think that if at least some or most of the events didn't happen at House of Rock, it wouldn't feel as authentic mm-hmm. um, for some reason. And maybe that's just me blowing smoke up my own butt, but... Um, to me that is just as much part of the success as the filmmakers who create the films that are so great I think um, or the steering committee that works its butt off and I really want to give another shout out to Stephanie Garcia and Mickey Kramer and um, Emily wasn't able to do it this year but Emily Zertucci and Maria Rodriguez and like 
it is a lot of work to bring that event home, and it's literally. Just, I believe you. Just the uh, screening of the films. It's the qualifying. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, then there's the screening committee, which yes. you were a part of, and um, uh, for seven day, and you know that's an equal part because you, as the screening committee, helped us decide who goes to the juror. And mm -hmm. when I say us, I mean your scores picked, y'all's yeah. top whatever number and it varies from year to year the top 14 that the screening committee scored went to the jury so um so y'all i mean and we try to get like a lot of a wide swath of opinions people who score differently people who like a certain style of film mm -hmm. people who are filmmakers themselves or past filmmakers or or people who just generally like film or people who are interested in the arts and culture community in our city yeah um we've had city council people in the past we i mean it's been it's been great. Yeah, uh, I think it's neat that you that you guys include. It's not purely based on y'all. Yeah, y'all include others to uh, contribute. And I think that's choice. smart because I mean, we as a qualifying committee or and as the steering committee member, like we can't help but have biases walking in. We we can't help after seeing one team put in a film over the past five or six years. It's going to be hard for us to like have a completely clean palette about, oh, well, this is what Brainstorm did last year, and here's this one this year, and is it as good as, like, mm -hmm. you have to have an entirely different group of people score those films because as much as the steering committee tries to be unbiased, it's impossible. Ugh, thank you for saying that, because a lot of people, you're like, uh... It say it's impossible it's impossible for us to be biased and it's like eh. i think it's the human condition it's no just it one is of those things. it absolutely is so the screening committee recognize it and yeah the screening committee really really helps us a lot and what's interesting is over the you know course of time you know the qualifying committee scores are way different than the screening committee scores that are way different than the juror scores mm -hmm. it's just super interesting how that is just that has ranged rang true over you know, so many years of CC seven day. And so it's a process. And I think that, and I'm really proud that that process has been developed. And I think it is as fair and as unbiased as these things can possibly be. And what I'm really proud of it is that, um, man, it, we show your film, no matter if it's a quote unquote good film mm -hmm. or if it's a quote unquote awesome film. Everybody did the same thing. Yep. They got the elements. Yep. They made the they made a movie in seven days and that's what we're celebrating. That's today. so neat. It really, really is. I mean you know, I've been involved twice and uh the whole process is just ex exciting. And I like that you're giving people uh not what's the word? Like, y'all have this criteria, you know, like like the film race, like you said in the initial discussions. I mean, that's taking it to the next level. That's, it's not easy to make a film in seven days because you're writing the entire, you're, you're casting, mm -hmm. you're writing the entire script, you're shooting, you're editing, uh, and you have to turn it in, I mean, to the minute. To the minute. y'all kick it off at, what, I don't know, let's say 7.01 p.m. Depends on how long yeah. I won't shut up on the stage. <laughs> And then exactly seven days later at 7.01 p.m., your film better be in or you're out. That's right. Uh, we learned that. Neat. We learned that the first year. The minute that you let one film in past the time, the time no longer matters. Mm -hmm. And technically, someone could turn the film in three days after or an hour before we screen. And the time is important. Yes. And um, it's seven days. It is seven days and to the minute. So, and you don't have to answer this because I don't know if you can. 
do you have a film that to this day you just think like what an incredible film like just a certain one that just affected you oh my goodness from seven days yes from seven days specifically um there are there are so many i mean like there's like a bunch of them that like pop into my head um Mm -hmm. the very first year that grand jury prize mason's midget um where they did this kind of mockumentary style uh story about a guy who and it's that's it was a true story one of the actors in the film he had been storing his friend's car for like over a decade and it was one of those midgets you know one of those little mm-hmm. midget cars mm-hmm. i don't know that i don't know cars but that's the Neither extent of what i'm going to be able to describe the car yeah so they took the opportunity to turn that into a short film and um for seven day and on the screen they literally like in seven days planned to have the car towed and moved away and taken to um a lot and it was like the crane picking it up and oh my destroying. god like the story of the car the story of the car getting Ooh. completely and just how they incorporated the elements so the grand jury prize for the first year is like it's it's so good and that is by omar Bassetta, who joined the steering committee for a little bit and then got off and had to wait a couple of years before he could make a film again mm-hmm. but there's that one um another one that really sticks out to me is one called um adulterated insanity mm-hmm. and it's um it's by the team brainstorm which is Pablo schmidt's team and they just it's a comedy and it's so inappropriate i mean it's in the it's in the elevated content flight but it was it was <laughs> I about love those flights. It, it's it's about um it's about the um the st- superheroes going through divorce court and they take like every single <laughs> they take every single like press your luck show the price is right it's just so pop culture and kitschy that is still one of my all-time favorite seven day movies um, Hector Zucchucci with Nightstorm's Productions is just an incredible filmmaker. He did one called Sinayuda, um, which was about uh, an immigrant. I think I saw getting this in, one. Yes, and that one's just incredible. But then one he hates that I love is uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. It was a kind of a, a, a post-apocalyptic. post-apocalyptic. My husband world. was an extra. He was the one who chased her down okay. with the mask. It's a great film. Yeah, you know it, that's not his Shot favorite. Well. That's not his favorite film that he's produced. He hates it when I say that, but I love that film. Um, and then there's also um, my friend T.J. Thomason. Um, there was we've written like five rules because T.J. is the type of person that can find a way to get around. <laughs> Not I get around things like this, but you know, <laughs> not get around things, but like to push boundaries and mm-hmm. make us think. And mm-hmm. and I, he almost does it just to make the steering committee think. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate his honoring, honoring nature. <laughs> Seven day, um, that's but great. one that year happy. he made four films. He, he very often makes multiple films, and that's impressive. Oh my god! Just like the other guy, Kippy yes, Edge, which I enjoyed three. All, all of his very yes. much for different so. Reasons. And Kippy's got some of my favorite movies in there too. Um, but one year, TJ made four films, and all four of those films had an intertwining story. Ooh, right! But he basically broke up a thirty-two minute film. 
Okay. And so got it, got it, got we it. didn't think about it like that. Of we course. were just so impressed and proud that he made four films and they have this intertwining story and technically it doesn't break the rules, but it did upset a lot of filmmakers mm-hmm. in the in the thing, which I guess I can understand because the challenge is to write a movie, an eight minute movie in the seven days. So, um, so we did write, but man, I just didn't, I, and but that and it just is, is that's weird. Pretty and damn impressive. It's very come on quirky, as a filmmaker too. You yeah. have to be impressed. Well, and he always has this just great quirky sense of humor that he that it is a uniquely TJ movie. Mm-hmm. It is a uniquely TJ movie, and I always love what he puts out. And I think it's a very specific style um, of film. Um, but his was the fish movie this year. Oh, I <laughs> enjoyed that movie so yes, much. It was so good. His actress was phenomenal. Uh, I loved that movie. He did um, it. He's the he's, whole like really long scene of her walking down the hall and like the clip, clip, clip. <laughs> I loved it. Which one juror commented, <laughs> "What are you doing? That's terrible. That was a complete." But so what TJ was doing, he told me later, was he was doing a shout out to the previous year's grand jury prize because it was people walking up and down stairs mm-hmm. and that kind of sound effect of the steps. Yeah. So he was doing a shout out to the grand jury prize for the previous year. I love callbacks. And he, but see like no one, probably nobody got it, but yeah. him, right? Yeah. And he was probably <laughs> watching it at Alamo draft house, just enjoying. <laughs> so TJ's films, kind of definitely. Um, Mitch and Julie's films. I mean, you know, uh, Kippy's films. Kippy, oh, I mean, there's just so many. I really I mean, enjoyed the Red Riding Hood, or what was it? Yeah, G3B. G3B, yeah. yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. And I thought that the, um, I mean, it was literally one shot of him. I, was it him? Massage therapy yes. with him. That was so good. Yeah, it was yeah. so good. I'm like, this is freaking brilliant because this qualifies, like, he shows you the range of what's acceptable in the CC70 film because... Like, it's, what do they call that? Like, a bottle episode, right? Like, it's literally a shot. There are two characters. You you, you see one of them all the time. One of them, like, occasionally. Kind of barely, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's a film. And it was hilarious. And yeah. I remember it. And I saw, you know, a good amount of films that day. Well, for those that are listening, if you go to cc7day.com yes, plug, and go plug. to the, uh, there's one that says, I think it says qualified films, um, you... We posted all of them online this year. So you could go check out all the films. You oh, can okay. see every single watch one that we're talking again. about. Yeah. So um, check out 7 Day Master of the Universe because they those guys gave me my happiest moment from this year. So. I love hearing that. I mean, especially doing it you know, for as long as you have those moments that stick out. And I know a lot of them do. But for you to to summon that and want to express it because you brought it up multiple times. I just, and man, I just appreciated them. I just appreciated them being excited about it. I mean, it just... It just gave me that pure shot of joy that a tired old cranky event planner needs to keep her thing going, you know. And um, there was another year. And I would also like to say that a couple of young filmmakers have used their seven-day film to get them into film school, like USC Film School and UT Film School. So that's the other really cool thing is that it's helped young actors uh, build a resume. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, really a film cool. is a film is a film. That's right. You know, and um, any experience like that, I mean, 
You're having to do it all. Yeah. And you'll also have all the the business side of it too, like the legalities and, you know, who who's all involved and how old are they and parents' permission. I mean, all of that. And and that's important. That is a trial kind of by error process. I, I mean, mean that's whatever. over thirteen years of going button it button it up. Yeah. Button it up, guys. Yeah. So so yeah. No, I'm I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, so you have been involved with some of the most major impactful I mean, events and uh, ongoing uh, contests or festivals in the city. So, I mean, Fiesta del Flor, I mean, you helped make that happen. Yeah, um, yeah, that was, um, that was definitely um, a labor of love. Um, it will always be something that I'm really proud of. And, I mean, it's stupid for me to pretend that this doesn't exist in a context that's being discussed out in Corpus Christi right now. Um, no one will ever be able to take that away from me or um, my former CEO, Paulette Kluge, or um, any of my the staff, Emily, Claudia, Hannah, Kayla, Paulette, um, all of us, all of us. No one can ever take that away from us. And that is the fact that that event for five years filled up hotel rooms in the city um was an economic engine for the city and i think we talked about this a little bit a little last bit, time yeah. but i mean that festival meant that a food truck could really make a lot of money because we didn't charge as much as we could have for food trucks to be there mm -hmm. um we wanted them to be able to make money so a food truck from Corpus Christi could, or any other place. I mean, we, we, we had a jury process when it came to uh, what food trucks and artists and vendors we accepted, but um, they could count on that money because we could guarantee that over the course of a weekend, 50,000 people are gonna put eyeballs on you. They can count on that. And, um, you know, we, we help create that and nobody can take that away from us. And of course, working with the Quintanilla family was a key component to the success. And I know I think I went on last time about how wonderful I think the Quintanilla family are. That's mm -hmm. another thing, no matter what haters or trollers in this community will say, I know the truth about Mr. Quintanilla and Suzette and that family and what their heart is and what their intentions are and who they are as people. And I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I get to have that and nobody can take that away from me. No matter where I work, no matter where I'm going in the future, that is something that I'm so proud to have been a part of. And um, haters can hate, but I know the truth. Exactly. Yeah, it's so easy for someone from the outside to, you know, give their two cents and um, think that they get it based on, you know, the snippets of information they get here and there without being able to to trace it to facts but what has been the most rewarding part of putting on this festival because i remember when it was first announced people were just losing their shit over it and i they just couldn't it, wait when it and why BuzzFeed. hadn't it happened when it when it hit mm -hmm. buzzfeed i mm -hmm. was just like oh wow suzette was right this is a real thing yeah. <laughs> this is no joke um why hadn't it happened um you know i really i I know that there were people in the community who were doing events, but um, like I said, a key component to this was working with the Quintanilla family and um, I think proving to them that this was done out of respect 
and yeah, the city is going to look good. And yeah, you know, there's going to be money that's going to be made. But I think to a certain degree, the city has not generally done a very good job of guarding and being proud of who Selena is and who she was and what she continues to mean to people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's even transcended beyond um, Mexican Americans. I think you see when you see Kendall Jenner <laughs> wearing a Selena shirt, when you yep. see Drake mm -hmm. wearing a Selena Most shirt. Most recently I saw Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga, she means something to people. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, even to this day, this city gets uh, Teresa Rodriguez, my my former colleague at Visit Corpus Christi, said it best. I don't think that the city gets to this day that Selena is our greatest ambassador. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how wow, many... Wow, that's a beautiful quote. I, I can't tell you how many times I go out of town. I go to other places and, oh, you know, you get into conversations with people. Where are you from? I'm from Corpus Christi. Oh, Selena. Mm -hmm. Yes, Selena. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, not even coming in for the festival, the Selena Museum, I over, just over spring break, like Suzette will tell me, yeah, we had 5,000 people come through the museum today. We had 7,000 people come through the museum today. I mean, just, I don't know if you've been to the museum. I haven't yet. I recommend everybody go. It really is just fantastic. Suzette and her family have done a great job um, of curating stuff for Selena fans. Um, but... <sighs> It's small. I mean, it's smaller than you think it would be. And if you imagine 7,000 people, 5,000 people going in there through, mm -hmm. for one day, that's a long day for them. And um, and kudos to them. I mean, you know, they, they, sometimes they have to set up boundaries. But, I mean, like, that's where they work, too. So if Suzette's got to, like, go out of her office to some other place, everybody will sw I mean, I've watched it happen. Everybody will swarm, swarm her. Let me take a picture with you. Let me, and they're so kind and they're so gracious about it, you know, it, when and where they can be. I mean, and I just think that, um, I just think that they're remarkable people. I, I just think they are probably some of the most remarkable people I have ever met. And I think that people forget, I'm going to get a little emotional. I think that people forget they're protecting the legacy of their sister, of their daughter, who was taken away from them in a violent act. And I get that Selena had that je ne sais quoi, that thing that leaps out and everybody wants to have a piece of, she means something to everybody. And I think, I, I understand why people have so much ownership or feel so much ownership where Selena is concerned. Um, that's still somebody's sister and that's exactly. still somebody's daughter. Yep. And I have seen people be rude and I've read the ugly comments that people write. And I just, it amazes me that there is little respect for, I think, what would be, should be considered the pain of losing someone you love that is still valid and relevant 25 years later, almost 25 years later. No, it's so true, and, um, you know, one of those things that I think people need to be reminded of, uh, and it's, you know, it, it's interesting to me also, because from the outside looking in, it'd be like, oh, 
someone who's helping throw this festival, they clearly are just seeing dollar signs. And look how that is not true for you at all. Not I mean, at all. It couldn't be more evident. I mean, look at you really getting the point across. I mean, guys, yeah, she was amazing, but ultimately, I mean, we know her story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, and it also, I mean, the Quintanillas allowed us to um, put on a festival where other people could make money and then also other people could enjoy celebrating and and embracing what Selena meant to them. That we did a, a study on Fiesta Della Flor um, last year, and one of the things that came out of that study was the biggest reason why people come is they want to be around other people who loved and 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 were inspired by Selena. That is the biggest one of the biggest reasons why people wanted to come. Um, yes, the music. You know, it helps when you have the Madame Tussauds wax figure flying in from L.A. two years in a mm -hmm. row, which do you want to talk about, like, pressure? Like, please don't no let anybody shit. ruin that beautiful, oh beautiful, God. beautiful thing. Yeah. Logistically, like... That, to me, it sounds like never-ending pressure. You want, the, of course, the family who gave you the green light to be absolutely supportive of everything that's going down. You want to, you know... Uh, well, and they're very much involved in everything yeah. with that festival. And as they should be. Yes. As they should be. Uh, yes. Uh, so not only... I mean, of course, first and foremost, you know, Selena's legacy as well as her family. But then you're wanting to provide, you know, for those, like you said, who feel as though, you know, her, her memory belongs to them in a way. Mm -hmm. um, that's not an easy feat. And yet... You did it. And, well, I did it with a bunch of other people. Of I mean, I mean, of course, Suzette, I think nobody knows. There's nobody who knows Selena's fans as, as well as the family. And I would sit with Suzette in particular to kind of talk about programming the festival. And, um, yeah, I mean, I always like to say, just do exactly what Suzette says. Because mm. she's right. 99% mm -hmm. of the time, she's right. And... I have, I, I, it wasn't pressure so much as it was, let's do this right. And that's what we promised the Quintanilla family year one. Let's do this right. And, and they were very patient with us as we kind of fumbled around and, you know, we're stupid white people about some stuff. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I mean, that's also very much true, but, um, but it was not it, pressure is the city of Corpus Christi saying, do not let anybody break your traffic plan mm -hmm. and stupid idiot people not putting the traffic barricade back and putting the barricade up like for the 500th freaking time and screaming at people. I will never let you back on this festival side. If you do not put that barricade back, I am not kidding. And there were much more curse words inserted in there. Um, but I love the barrier talk. Because it's a very real concern of someone throwing a festival or an event that's having to take over streets. And uh, I love that you shared that. And um, to kind of do a, a callback on the, our uh, previous conversation, 
yeah, there's an ugly business side to it and, you know, having to accommodate all the powers that be and everything. And nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to think about it. Nobody wants to hear that, hey, if you're going to organize something and you really, really want to make the best impression, you might have to pick up somebody's actual shit. Yes. And, but, and which I have actually done. Yes. But, oh, that's right. We yeah. talked about <laughs> yes, that. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. But, um, but, I mean, but the traffic engineering, engineering department is absolutely right. Yeah. A street is designed to be driven on. A street is not designed for a festival. Yep. And all of my fellow festival planners in town who get real mad at traffic engineering, man, you want to you want to turn something that it's not functionally designed to do because that is now how communities use these spaces. They're working with you the best they can. But when you pick up the cell phone and you call and you go to your city council person and you use your relationship with city council person to try to force the traffic engineering department or any other city department, and this doesn't have nothing to do with festivals, this is just generally, to force them to do something that they cannot do because of what their expertise tells them is over and above the safety and security of this community, then you're part of the problem because this is something that you should work really hard to listen to the city staff. When you're working with the city, I believe firmly that the city staff people don't want to say no, but they work in a city that is litigious, well, the haters, I mean, like they, they are, they have to work with the people in this community who are also part of the problem. So as an event planner or as a developer, a builder, or I don't know what they are dealing with the ramifications of the world that we live in. I don't think city staff people want to tell you no. I think that they're looking at stuff that we don't begin to understand because a city staff person has to deal with so much garbage from a community that, in my opinion, by and large, is disinterested, uneducated, and complacent. Absolutely. And would Positive. rather get behind a negative comment on KRIS TV Facebook page or do ugly smack talking. Keep going. I don't know what that is. Ugly smack talking, you know, on social media. That's where they would rather spend their time. Then, Opie. It's okay. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. No, I think you should leave it in. I think it's cool. You, like, I think you got a postal delivery. I think you're right. What's in the mail? We'll find out after this. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's get out and instead of complaining about there's trash everywhere, have a trash bag in your car and pick up the trash. It's not going to kill you to pick up a dirty diaper. It's in, in a parking lot. If that's your thing and you think that people are gross, have a pair of gloves on hand and pick up that diaper in the parking lot because you sitting in your car and being a Facebook warrior, a social media warrior, <laughs> isn't going to solve the problem. Exactly. In fact, all of your friends in Houston are going to see, oh yeah, Corpus still sucks because mm -hmm. there's still diapers in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Pick it up. Yes. Be part of the and, solution. And, yes. And what's so funny is they love to blame the city like a, like a entity, like the municipality. As responsible for this, and yet it is the citizens that are doing this kind of thing. And, and I love this. And city. most of the time, that stuff is happening happening on a private parking lot, which the city cannot do anything about. 
I love I love that you're in this even in the previous conversation when you discussed the whole stupid water fiasco. Like I love hearing this from someone who does not work for the city, because you know the truth, you know the facts, you're educated on it. Yeah. That we can only do what we can do. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. And I wish. I wish that people would calm down a little bit. Yeah. If you. The city is more than potholes, and we are not the only city that has a pothole problem. Uh, nope. Drive in some areas of Austin. Drive in some areas of San Antonio. Mm-hmm. There are every city is dealing with a failing infrastructure and no means or money to fix it. Exactly. And you can't, on one hand, say, "But what about the potholes? Don't raise my taxes." But what about the potholes? I don't want another bond initiative. Don't. What about the potholes? I'm going to order everything off of Amazon and the city is not going to collect any sales tax. <laughs> boom, boom. I mean, like, you are part of the problem. Mm-hmm. You have an active voice. Mm-hmm. Do something. Mm-hmm. Do something because it's exhausting. It's exhausting to sit and read the crap that people say but won't lift a finger to fix it. Word. To your mom. <laughs> oh, she knows. She works for the county. <laughs> uh, so, uh, something that I'm really excited to get into, and this is an idea that you uh, you showed me and, and uh, offered me before we even did our first visit, and that was to kind of get to know each other more through oh, music. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, I'm super excited. Pitched. You pitched the idea. I did pitch And the idea. I loved it so much. And uh, one of the uh, themes for the song we were going to pick was, which describes you most as a person. And I think I know, but I want you to tell everyone what song describes you most as a person. And why did you pick music as the... Um, I picked music because... Most representative. Because when I'm sitting alone by myself, probably most often having had too much to drink on my back porch by myself, thinking... The crazy things that are in my head. Music calms me down. Mm-hmm. I, I believe in the power of music probably more than I believe in the power of any other form of art. Because you're... Like back when there were CDs, I would I was the person that like pulled out the liner notes. Right? Same. And listened to the song for the first time and read the lyrics along because I didn't want to miss a word yes. of what the singer-songwriter was saying. And that's the kind of music I gravitate to mostly. But even now when like my twins, Nick and Ryan, send me a hip-hop song, I'm like, to the Google, what are the lyrics of this song? And for I'm following sure. along. Because yes. those words matter. And the marrying of music and tones and, the, and how music... It progresses and moves and swells and ebbs and flows combined with the marriage of words is amazing. I mean, I I love to karaoke. I'm a terrible karaoke singer. Oh, same and same. (laughs) It's about presentation. All right, we have a karaoke night coming our way Yes, you don't have to be a good singer. You have to put on a show. I sell a song. I don't sing a song. (laughs) That's how I do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) High five on that. But... But only music can do that. So why did I pick music? Because I think that music has a unique way better than any other form of art. And I love them all. Mm -hmm. But more than any other form of art to really help you clarify and identify who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. That's why as soon as you said music, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I still, so I have my choices, but I'm, I want to like okay, rethink so, them. Well, what, no, you need to answer mine first. Okay. Which song best describes you? It's my anthem. Yes. Um, it is a song by my favorite musician. I have many, but Ani DeFranco. Mm-hmm. Um, the I like to think of her as the original Riot Girl, but she would probably disagree. Um, and it's a song called Willing to Fight. And are you going to play it now? Yeah. All right. I am. All right. <laughs> I'll take a smoke break while yes. you do it. Right on. <laughs> you check your mail. There we go.
Okay, so we're back. That was the song that uh, best describes Heidi, and uh, it's a kick-ass song that she introduced me to, and I just think it's, how have I never heard this song before? And so I definitely have to incorporate it into, you know, the playlist that I listen to regu regularly. It's just so good. But while Heidi and I were taking a break, she was talking about how, while she has a ton of experience and can help those who want to make a difference in the community, whatever it may be, say what you just said. You're not the answer. Well, I like... I I probably won't say it as articulately now because the microphone's on. I <laughs> I am not the answer. You are the you are your own answer. It really isn't that hard to get things done in this community. I and I know that that sounds weird because this community seems to be so unfriendly to creatives and it seems to be so unfriendly to change or a voice, but it is on you and like I'm happy to help anybody. I I will sit across from someone. I will say, that's a great idea, but you got to do X Y Z, and this is how you get X Y Z done. But also A B and C is: Do you have a five year strategy, and where is this going to go, and where are you going to find the money, and da 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 da. Like I'm happy to sit and help someone make a plan, but for someone to come to me and say, I have a creative idea, plop, make my dreams come true. Mm -hmm. I, no one is going to be the best advocate for your creative idea than you. And if you're not willing to invest the time and the energy and the hustle in it, why is anyone else? Exactly. And I could go out, even if I believe in in a someone's great idea that they give me, um, I could go out and do it on your behalf, but you are your best advocate. You are your best person to 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 say what it is that you want to do. And it is on you. And it really isn't that hard to start something in the city. I mean, I just talked about CC7 Day. And, like, it was lightning in a bottle. Fiesta del Flor, obviously, lightning in a bottle. But then something like a hip-hop musical about Dr. Hector P. Garcia... A little bit more difficult. Yes, tell me about this. Because we talked about it a little bit. Well, to wrap this up, it's just like, but I'm not done with Hector B. Garcia. Mm -hmm. I'm not done with that hip-hop musical. And Esso and Carbon and I are going to work together to make that thing up and done and ready to go. I went to um, Dr. Hector's daughter, Cecilia Garcia Akers, invited me to sit at her table at a luncheon that they held in Mercedes, Texas, on Thursday, which is uh, Dr. Hector's hometown. And um, there was a lot of great dialogue, great speech, great thing, great event. Um, Cecilia is just one of the most amazing people that I've met. And I love and admire her so much as well for guarding her father's legacy and trying her best to get his work out into the universe. But... Um, at some point during the luncheon, the keynote speaker mentioned the hip-hop musical that we wrote. And everyone who had a table, I just won't forget, like, they did an audible gasp. Like, what? That happened? And, I mean, again, it's those little moments where it's just like, yeah, I wasn't crazy. Okay, maybe, like, you know, 150 people saw the workshop that we did during the Frontetta History Festival. 
it was more than a hundred people, but yeah, <laughs> you know, but that it's like, yes, that's something that needs to happen. Dr. Hector's story needs to be made relevant for middle schoolers and high schoolers and millennials. And, and the reason why Esso and Carbon and I uh, work so hard on the lyrics and the words for that um, was because we saw how his leadership is missing. And, but that's a whole other conversation. No, but I mean, that just, the fact that you were involved in that becoming, and it's still going to become, I mean, even more, because I haven't seen it, and I feel like I need to see it. This is part of the town I live in's history. I mean, I need to know. Well, it's also part of uh, the Mexican-American history, and, mm. and, and just generally, like, the whole Voto Latino movement was started by Dr. Hector and others side by side and the American GI Forum and his work that he specifically did. I mean, that man was not afraid of a president of the United States. He, I found in all my research, I found this clip of him like holding a press conference or something and calling out Lyndon B. Johnson. Hey man, we got the Latinos out to vote for Lyndon B. Johnson and he promised us in return that he was going to appoint Mexican-Americans and people of Hispanic descent to positions of power, and he hasn't done it yet. So I'm here to say out loud, our vote is not for sale. And until you start getting these people, and yeah, I mean, like, there are a lot of historians who are like, man, LBJ had to, he, he had to work in the good old boy white systems very like you know racist and ugly in the 60s and he did what he could and he did like make a minor miracle happen and lost a lot of um, political capital pushing the civil rights act through but dr hector was like that's not enough you made a promise mm -hmm. that is someone who is unafraid yes that is someone who is like balls to the wall do not do not mess with me and my people and, ah, oh, like, we need more Dr. Hectors. Right now, so bad. We need more Dr. Hectors. He, like, I knew who he was when we started, but there is nothing like going to Texas A&M University Archival Library and uh, the, um, the, the Jeff and uh, the, the, the Bell Library at Tamu CC. Jeff and Mary Bell Library, that's what it's called. And looking at his papers and looking at his handwriting on and his corrections on press releases that he sent and scouring through like the letters that he had saved over the years and why this particular letter, I'm sure he got more, but why did he hold on to this letter in particular? It, it, it's just really kind of mind blowing. And this man was a true, amazing leader. I mean, he spoke... He was a UN ambassador and he spoke to the UN in Spanish on the dangers of nuclear prolifer proliferation in Spanish. And it's just kind of incredible what this man did in the span of his life. And, um, and he was unafraid. He was unafraid and he was willing to fight. Uh, he was willing to fight for what you think is real, for what you think is right. And for him, that was justice for his people. That was justice for his people. And he, he, you know, was a doctor and he didn't die a millionaire. He didn't even probably die a thousandaire. I mean, Cecilia's book, 
which is what the hip-hop musical is based on, um, the inspiring life of Texan Hector P. Garcia, she talks about, like, like her parents' house was in very bad disrepair when her dad was sick and dying because he gave his services away for free. If you couldn't pay, he would still see you. Mm-hmm. He Every bit of extra money he had went back into the American GI form. It went back into helping people in his community. This was a doctor. This was a well-known doctor. This is a well-known person in the civil rights movement in the 60s and 70s. And, um, I mean, he he helped the CCISD versus Cisneros went to the Supreme court because CCISD would not desegregate their schools. And Dr. Hector was a part of that. And he just, um, he went to, he was arrested for, uh, for doing a sit-in. I like, this is a man who was legit. This was, this was a Hispanic Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, Cesar Chavez is amazing and he did amazing things. This is someone who understand specifically or understood the Mexican-American plight in this country. And here we are still having that conversation right now. And when Beto O'Rourke goes on the campaign trail and talks about in El Paso, there were signs, no Mexicans, no inwards, no dogs. That those were real signs that existed all throughout Texas and probably in California. I mean, those signs were just as prevalent as all the other uh, signs about, you know, coloreds here, whites here. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a song in, uh, the Hector P. Garcia musical called No Mexicans, No Dogs. Um, because that was a real thing that was happening in our city. And when people ask me about this t- kind of thing, or like, they want to talk about like, oh, well, I included Spanish in my very white people thing. I just want to be like, uh, I, I sometimes don't want to be like, sometimes I just flat out say, yeah, you do realize that Texas was part of Mexico once. Mm-hmm. You, you do realize there was an entire war that was fought because the United States didn't want the Rio Grande Valley, di- didn't want Nueces County, Nueces River to be the border. They wanted it to be the Rio Grande Valley. Yep. So there's an entire war that was fought. Oh, and by that war, by, by the way, that war made Corpus Christi an actual city as opposed to a trading post. We'll just talk about that. That's I, just I know. some just history insane. there. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, white people, for including Spanish. Um, Spanish was the language that you spoke <laughs> here. San Patricio County. Oh, my Ding goodness. dong. Nueces mm-hmm. River. Ding dong. I mean, Rio Grande Valley, ding dong. I mean, come on, guys. Come mm. on. Get it to San Antonio. Yes. I mean, get it together, guys. Get it together. Thank you so much for uh, including something in Spanish as if you did the culture a favor. This was Mexico. This was Mexico, and that is our history. And yeah, it's complicated and yeah, it's messy, but. Dr. Hector was an immigrant into the United States when he was three because of the Mexican Revolution. His parents were educated teachers who fled a war-torn city and took their children to the United States, landed in Mercedes, Texas, and these very well-educated professors could not get a job in this city, in this, in this country, because... 
they didn't think that they would be up to the standards. Of, right. You know, I know. It's they, so laughable. It's, it's, it is laughable. And then Dr. Hector and his siblings, you know, very well educated by their parents. I mean, most of them, most of them grew up to be doctors. I mean, I'm not even touching on Dr. Cleo and her work, which was also amazing. Um, but, um, when Dr. Hector was in school, there was, uh, his English teacher told him the best any Mexican could, Mexican kid could get would be a B. And it didn't matter how hard Dr. Hector worked to try to get an A in that class. He only ever got a B. And that's, that was, that was his, that was his schooling when he went to the United States of America. But still, he graduated, uh, from Mercedes uh, High School. He went to um, school in the Valley. He walked 30 miles to go to school, back and forth, walked 30 miles to go to school every day. Then joined the military um, and he was, uh, but he was also accepted in the only Hispanic student. And it wasn't until recently Cecilia told me that UT Galveston accepted more than one Hispanic into, um, into their uh, medical school. And when I say recently, I mean like probably like the 90s, the mm-hmm. 80s. But that's very recent. That's in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I I don't want to like totally like do a history of Dr. Hector one-on-one because you should pick up uh, Cecilia's book. But, um, man, we get back to it's, are you willing to fight and is it not, and is it easy? It's never easy. When you believe in something, it's never easy, but you have to be willing to fight. You have to be willing to fight. I, I, yeah, I mean, I couldn't think of a better song to describe you. I mean, those you look up to most had the same qualities that I see you emanating. I mean, the fearlessness. <laughs> Deal with it. What is your song? Oh, not nearly as uh, impactful. Stop it. No, I mean that. Um, so I think I told you it may have been off the record, may have been on, I can't remember. But um, I identify very much with hip hop. Yes. And uh, on, <laughs> on Kanye West's freshman album, he has a song called Spaceship where he talks about I've been working this grave shift. I ain't made shit. I wish I could get on my spaceship and fly. I mean, just pretty much talking about, you know, basically having these ideas and dreams, having to work his ass off for him. But in the meantime, having to do what he needs to do in order to get by. And it's very tongue in cheek. I mean, you know, he's kind of silly about it. It's Kanye. But um, I identified with it so much. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where you always have loftier goals despite what um it may seem like on the outside right like it looks like we're just kind of going through the daily grind and just doing what we need to do to get a paycheck but there's always more which is what you're doing here with this podcast exactly and is that why that speaks to you yeah that's exactly right and we talked about it the other night and now we're you know doing it in a much more um contained environment (laughs) (laughs) but um i love i love listening to your podcast and that's probably one of the reasons why I love listening to your podcast because and like there was that one night before we did this that I was like blowing you up and I'm like oh and by the way like I'm just giving you like I'm just listening to your podcast because I thought it was just on SoundCloud and for like 
a year and a half, I'm having to like navigate the crap that is SoundCloud. Yeah, it's, it's not the most. It intuitive. is such a bad app, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'd like to listen to more, but it's SoundCloud, and yeah. you're like, it's on iTunes, and I was like, merp, idiot. Well, no, well, no, because I finally got with it, and it's, uh, this past week, I'm now on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and there's one link. It'll take you to all of your options and just click where you want to listen. So that's good. But it's people like you that are like, hey, you know, do better. (laughs) I didn't mean it like that. Yes, you did. And and, uh, I'm (laughs) glad. I need to do better. No, I need that kind of stuff because I've had people, I I call them Lewis, but you call them Esso. Um, that's like, why don't you have a social media presence? I've heard that yes. on your podcast with him. <laughs> but y'all are the, and, uh, you know, the people that are like, so are you making any money yet? I mean, this is the kind of stuff I need to hear because I don't want to be complacent and I'm not, but I need people to be like, Hey, you know, we're thinking like this. You should too. Cause like you said, you're your own answer. You need to advocate for yourself. When you said that, that, that hit me. Cause it's like I do inside, but I need to be. You know what I mean? I need to project that. Yeah, but it does help if there's a creative community back there to back you up. Right. And I think that, that and so when I think about what are, what does my next chapter look like and what am I going to be doing with my life now that now that I don't have this kind of credible, visit Corpus Christi, senior mm-hmm. director of creative initiatives, you know, now that that is no longer who I am, mm-hmm. what does my next chapter look like and what I am good at and I think what I do have a track record that I can be proud of is helping to support a creative community. Mm -hmm. And you are a part of that. And so that you don't feel like I'm working my grind and there's, and I'm doing my creative thing, but like, you're not putting it out there in the void. Right. I think that that's something that everyone who is involved in the creative community can get better because we operate as creatives. I think in our own silos. And I think that there's also a natural kind of, eating of our young with all the creatives in this community because man we're all fighting for the same pot of money we're all fighting for the same sponsors we're all fighting for the attention of the same people but not really Mm -hmm. we just we have to like expand our reach and we can only do that unless we support each other and I don't know what that looks like for me yet but I'm trying to like take a little bit of time and think about that and think about it will never get better here period until I figure out a way to help you make money. Right. I mean, not me figuring it out for you, but let me figure out a way. Let's continue this conversation, not with a microphone between us and Hey man. So I was having a meeting with somebody about this thing that I'm trying to do, but man, they might be able to be a sponsor for you or Mm -hmm. this could be, you know, maybe we incorporate 501c3 and let's get you some grants, you know, but you should be, I mean, maybe this won't be like your full-time job, but you should be paid for the message that you're sending because listening to your song, it's almost like a, a, like a plea, the desire, like hoping not to give up, Mm -hmm. but you're on a, but it's almost easier to get on a spaceship and get the fuck out. Because there is part of me that can be that way, you know? But it shouldn't be that hard. And, like, I've been tweeting stuff lately that, like, people are texting me, like, oh, my God, don't. You sound like a shit show. But, man, that's what Twitter's for. It's like a freaking 30-minute conversation. Right. And my thing is, too, is if if you're feeling something that needs to be said, this is kind of a side note, but just speak. 
Just speak freely. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You are who you are, and you're embracing all aspects of it. And, and if truth be told, we all have that side of us. Yeah. And for you to so openly express it, that's admirable. It's just, it just shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this hard. And, you know, I like have no shame. I'll, I'll call out, I'll call out the mayor of Corpus Christi. The mayor, the Arts and Cultural Commission is a commission that is a city appointed commission, but it is technically the mayor's commission. And a couple of years ago, every year the Arts and Cultural Commission gives out these awards, this award ceremony. It's very nice. I love what the Arts and Cultural Commission does. And, the mayor showed up late to that award ceremony and he was supposed to give out the awards. And I, I can't remember it well enough to quote him. So I'm going to paraphrase him here. But what he said was basically, yeah, sorry, I'm late. Uh, I got confused about where I was supposed to be. It was at the art museum. Just <laughs> um, I got confused about where I was supposed to be. Um, I don't know why they want me to give out these awards because I really don't understand arts and culture. And I remember I was actually sitting with Stephanie Garcia because she was getting an award that night. And Stephanie is the type of person who has to like kind of maybe sometimes hold my arm back Mm -hmm. a little bit. Don't go nuts. Um, But it's just incredible to me that that kind of callousness is accepted by the arts and culture community from our mayor, Mayor McComb, who is supposed to be representing all of us. But what he basically said is, I have no interest in this. This doesn't mean anything to me. I don't even know where the biggest institution for art in our city is. But here I am giving him an award. Okay, bye. Yeah. That's callous. Mm-hmm. That's not even dismissive. That's not even disinterest. That's callous. He would never act that way to the to a realtor group. He would never act that way to um, ExxonMobil coming in. Okay, oh, yeah. I get it. Those These aren't the same types of things. That's callous. And... If someone's hearing this and they're mad about that, you need to remember that whenever you, before you vote. And if any of this matters to any of you, if you identify and recognize that the creative community helps with the economic development of the city, like a festival like Fiesta de la Flor, then remember that story that I didn't, I wasn't the only one who saw it. There were other people who saw it. Remember that story. Whenever you go vote, because it is up to you to put people in power who give a shit about the things that we give a shit because we, exactly. because we also can't do it on our own. I mean, so I'm think, thinking about my new, my next chapter, you and I could like come up with a powerful movement, but without a city council to yes. support us and fund us or not fund us, but make it easier for us to even have a conversation or just from the council dais saying, good job guys. Good job, guys. Because that is not political. That is the lifeblood and the fabric with the things that K-Space does, the Art Center does, Harbor Playhouse does, Aurora Arts Theater does, you're doing with your podcast, what Esso and, and Ruthless Villains are doing with their podcast. It may not look like you want it to look like. It may not be the fabric of what you want it to look like. But 
man, arts and culture are important. Mm-hmm. Man, they're the glue that, 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 that ties our city together. And our, at the very least, our city leaders should respect that. If they're not going to fund it, fine. You should respect that. And absolutely, at least on this, in the same ballpark as you do a developer building housing units that have septic tanks instead of tied into a sewage line that we need (laughs) so that we can get poop out of our Oso Creek and our bay. And so it doesn't go into our beautiful Gulf of Mexico, which actually has economic impact for our city. Oh, tremendously. But, you know, you should care about that as much as you care about a developer making a development with septics Mm -hmm. instead of not a sewage line. Right. Or not having a plan to not have a sewage line in areas that are being developed. And so I'm getting into planning commission stuff, but like that is to me the biggest danger that's happening with our city is that we are running out of housing. We're running out of places for housing. Nobody wants to do infill when infill happens. It's difficult and hard for a developer to go in and do it because it is just so costly to do infill. So it's cheaper for them to go build out more tract homes in the middle of nowhere that was once farmland and there's no sewage, there's no sidewalks. And in order for them to maximize their dollar, they don't want to invest in those things and the city can't catch up and there's no plan to catch up. Oh my gosh. And it's frightening. And if our city is growing the way that it is projected to grow, we are in a whole literal shit ton of trouble. Period. (laughs) But the fact that you have that kind of insight, um, as a city employee, I work particularly with water, specifically with water, and there's something called a dead in Maine. You probably know what that is. Water isn't able to circulate, it ages, it loses its ability to disinfect. It's just not good water. Not good water. And no longer drinkable. No longer drinkable. (laughs) There's no hydrant to flush. And because that's the only alternative. If you're not going to loop this main, we have to go out there and flush. But guess what? We've got to be back there in a week to flush again. I mean, it's just a, it's a terrible... It's a, it's a never-ending cycle yes, that costs cycle. money. And, it, yeah. and yet, there are those developers who are still designing areas with dead-end mains. And, and why? How can this be? Where, well, there's money in the budget to eliminate dead-end mains, and y'all are creating more dead-end mains. Um, I'm going to make sure to bring that up Please the next do. time it does. Please do. But will this have a dead in Maine? <laughs> yeah. I mean, my role on planning commission is like, man, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a developer. I'm not good at science. Like, I'm just so proud of myself that I've been able to finally understand some kind of basic language on how you develop a neighborhood, right? Yeah. So, um, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm purely thinking in terms of, of utilities. I but, have no idea. So, um, yes, I understand what a den in Maine is, but I never, I mean, I'm all butt sore about sewage, but I didn't even think about what the den in Maine would, could do. Yeah. And I've never asked. I mean, it's literally as simple because they'll just put a line there. It'll end. So the water just sits there. And then, of course, it but has then the, it the just, service lines to the houses. And, 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 but it just, goes there's no cycling there's just no back and forth i None. mean like water's gotta move just, just loop it just loop it back. is that simple 
Hey, man, but that's, money. that's here, money. Here, here's some grant money for you. Hey, man, instead of asking for a sidewalk, or I'll give you a sidewalk waiver if you will do uh, injured dead in Maine thing over yeah, there. Yeah, no, no like, more dead in Maine. How about, how about that? Like, we'll do a trade-off. Actually, I don't even want to trade off sidewalks. People need sidewalks to I agree. walk around. I, agree with I mean, that. like, that's... Th those are always tough when they come in front of us. Um, but, you know, hey, you want a sewage system line waiver or... Which will compromise. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, there are a lot of problems. There are a lot of problems that I don't think that people are even aware of. And there are times when I think that city leadership, and I'm not saying city staff, I mean city leadership, they don't want you to know those problems. Because if we don't know, then I'm not going to have to put stuff in the budget or I'm not going to have people. It's so sad when you go to city council meetings, the stuff that people go up to complain about. And there are these other real issues that are happening over here. Exactly. And it's one of those situations, again, we've, we've mentioned this multiple times, where you just know so much. And when you have that much information, it's very easy to, you know, speak your truth. Because after a while, it just gets, it's frustrating. It's, it's tiresome. Yeah. That you see all this going on, you know all aspects of all sides of so much from planning to uh, being involved in the arts to film to put, to putting on a festival. I mean, it, it's insane, like, the amount of knowledge you have about so many things specifically to the city. So I understand where you're coming from. Like, I, if I were in your shoes, I feel like I'd be, like, have the exact same sentiments as you. Sitting in your driveway drinking beer, listening to songs like Willing to Fight. Yeah. <laughs> or Spaceship. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Because, yeah, and there's just sometimes where it feels like I'm screaming into the void or other people feel like they're screaming into the void. <sighs> but I just feel like you keep saying you're not really sure what the next step is but I'm not worried about you at all. Like, if anybody's equipped to do something really amazing, even if they're unsure of what it is yet, it's you. The jury is out. Yeah. I'll let you know. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I can't wait to see what happens next. I mean... Me either. Yeah. I know I want to spend more time with my family. I know I want to spend more time... Like, just in the past week, I've been able to take my son to school almost every day. I've walked my dog. I've made him breakfast. I've packed his lunch. Um, I've had great conversations with my sons. I've called my mom. Um, I got into an argument with one of my brothers. And, you know. But I missed all of those things. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I mean, I missed all of those things. And it was great, you know. That I'm kind of not so focused on other stuff like the politics of spending hot funds you know? mm -hmm. it just it shouldn't be that political man it just shouldn't be that political but on a festival people are going to be coming from out of town why is this hard guys i agree and i feel like you're guys. exactly where you need to be right now i mean give me another week to heal yeah. <laughs> all right now i have to pee yeah <laughs> can we have another beer so Heidi, tell me, for those who want to get involved in the community and make a difference, what are your, what's your advice to anyone who wants to make a change? Um, first of all, don't ask anyone to carry your water. Carry your own water. 
you got an idea and you believe in it, ask for advice, ask for help. But if you are afraid to tell a leader about something you believe in, and I say leader in quotes, because if you have an idea that makes you a leader, if you see something that's not being done, guess what? You're a leader. Mm -hmm. So, but man, it's intimidating. It absolutely is intimidating. I'm still intimidated in situations and everyone thinks that I shouldn't be, but no. Yeah. For you to say you're intimidated. Blows oh my mind. God. No, I'm, I, I get intimidated. Um, I get intimidated every, every day. Something intimidates me. Um, but if you have an idea and you want to make a change, um, make it. And don't ask anyone else to carry your water. And if there is somebody who takes the time to meet with you and they say, well, this is good, but then there's this, this, and this. Don't go, ah, fuck them. They don't get it. And they're just against us. Listen. Listen. Because sometimes, sometimes they're wrong. A lot of times they're wrong. But there is feedback there. There's feedback there. And you, like, have to have enough presence of mind to go okay maybe my pitch wasn't right maybe how I expressed myself wasn't right maybe I'm couched it, it, it as it's their obligation to support this or uh or maybe I wasn't passionate I just do an assessment and then that first person that you talk to then go to the next person and then go to the next person but if it is truly something that you believe in don't ask someone else to carry your water. You carry your own water. You get up every day and say, oh man, that was not a tactic that I, I, or that was a tactic I thought would work, but it didn't work. So, all right, maybe this works. And I mean, or maybe that will work or that didn't work, but you like, do an self do don't do an assessment and don't allow your idea to sit on a table that everyone can look at and admire do the work to bring it into fruition we live in a city that's really hard to do it there are people who are resources but if it's your idea it is your job to make it happen. And I love and admire everyone like you. Thank you. Who you had an idea and you make it happen. I love my sons, Nick and Ryan, who had an idea with their friends to do a gorilla hip hop event, CC Fridays, and they made it happen and they built a hip hop community. And I would not have known that we could write a hip hop musical had Nick and Ryan not started a hip hop community. I was able to connect uh, production companies who were getting film permits with filming activities here in Corpus Christi when I was film commissioner because there were filmmakers who were making movies for seven day. I mean, you're, you're not screaming into the void and God, there are so many times and I just tweeted it the other day. It's just, there are so many times where for as accomplished quote unquote, as you think that I am, I feel like I'm screaming into the void and I'm really sad about how hard it is. I, I, I 
but we got to keep persevering. And so number one, carry your water. Number two, keep persevering. If your idea is good, if there's a message there, it will come to fruition. You have to believe in it and you have to believe in it more and better than anyone else will. And then when you find people that believe in it as much as you, listen to them. Mm-hmm. Ooh, let that's them, a good one. Let them come alongside you. Let them tweak your idea. Let them help you make it better. You are not the only answer to your problem, but you are the only answer to your problem. And it's so much better to do this with an army than by yourself. Every measure of success, quote unquote success that I've ever had, has because has been because there were people standing next to me, like my husband, like my sons, like my mom, like my siblings, like I hate to say my staff, but like Emily and Claudia and Hannah and Kayla, like uh, my boss, my old boss, Paulette Kluge, like Suzette, like Cecilia. I mean, like any, like the, the, the like my friend Stacy Talbert, who doesn't live here anymore, like Jessica Savage, who doesn't live here anymore. I mean, like there are so many friends and so many people and you got to find them. And you got to build your army. And I don't know if that's an answer, but... Yes. Oh, my God. The the fucking amazing bomb you just dropped with, if somebody believes in what you're doing, you know, listen to them kind of thing. Uh, or if they tell you you're doing a great job and that it's important, listen to them. That hit me. Because uh, it's interesting. Yes. How, diff- how, you know, whenever somebody gives you that kind of compliment, you're like, oh, my God, really? Like... What? I'm hyperventilating. Is I'm, it hot a fan, here? <laughs> I'm a fan of the show. I'm a fan of the show. I've listened to it. And and we've had a side conversation. Like, there are people who you've interviewed that I do not like. Mm-hmm. And that makes me happy in a weird way. Uh, you know? It made me happy to listen to them. Yeah. So it, thank you. Yeah. No, but thank, thank you for still listening. And, and I feel like I'm doing my job because not all of my guests are for everyone. But there is... At least one guest for everyone. Well, and I, you and I had a whole side conversation about it, so maybe we could end it this way. Um, it's hard enough in this city. And instead of us having our little petty grievances with each other, maybe we should get on the same page. And all of us figure out what really is the problem in our city. Because there's a lot of great things. I mean, like, I mostly want to be very positive about my city. And I'm not exactly in a great place right now. But I am in a great place right now because I still love this complicated, ridiculous, (laughs) nuanced city that doesn't even understand who it is. Mm. (laughs) But, um, but I, but I will say this. (laughs) But I will say this. It's not better if we all... If there are people that are moving the needle in their own way and we're being petty with each other, if there is ever a time in the history of our city that it is important that petty grievances and bullshit melts in the corner, now is it. Now is it. Uh, Great things could happen. And I think they will. I hope so. I'm. Uh, this is where I'm not in a good place. I absolutely do not trust 
the powers that be to make it better. And I'm hoping the people that listen to this, for whatever reason, they're listening to it when they saw my name on it. <laughs> so many reasons. Ugh. Go. Yeah, no, it is up to me. It is up to me. It is up to us. It's up to you, Brittany. Keep doing what you're doing. But whatever kernel of an idea, whoever is listening right now, there's space for you. There is a des- there's a desire for you. And, man, I'm willing to help. I'm willing to sit with you. I'm willing to talk to you. We all need to get together and we need to change the city. It is on us. It is on us and we can. We can. There's more of us than them. Absolutely. There is more of us oh, than I them. Oh, I love that. That's a, that's a call. That's a call, everybody. And we just need to thank Heidi for everything she's done Merp, for the Merp, city. Merp, Heidi all and her team. All of us. The team and all Heidi. Of us. All of us. Everyone, thank you um, just for the impact that you've made on the city. You're not even... I mean, you're barely getting started and... There's some things that we've talked about off record, some things you'll be announcing soonish that uh, I just can't wait for. And uh, I'm Will just... you be there? Yes. Will you... Are you kidding me? Will you do one? Yeah. All right. We'll I will talk. We'll talk. I don't like to say no, so yes, I will. But uh, we will talk well, about no, this. No, you can say no. No, no, no. But I don't, I don't want to there. say no. I don't want to say no. All right. All um, right. But Heidi, you're incredible. I, you can say Murph as much as you want. Let me have my piece. You're incredible. You have made such an impact on our community with the the Dr. Hector Hip Hop Musical, with Fiesta Del Flor, with CC70. You've done work for the Visit CC. You've done work for the Downtown Management District. You, I mean, I'm not barely touching the surface. Um, and just thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. And thank you for carrying on with the vision that you have for the city. And I'm just so lucky to have met you. And... I love you, Brittany. I love it's you. It's my turn. It's my turn. I love you. I think we're friends now. Yes, we're definitely friends. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.